great deal of activity on the south side. Yeah. This week, beginning last night, Thursday, all the way through next Sunday, the 11th, the Festival of the Arts. And the Festival of the Arts involving, I guess, the fine and lively arts in all forms. Film festival, of course, around the microphone are members of the jury of the uh, University of Chicago Film Festival. We'll speak of that in a moment. But in addition to films themselves, uh, paintings, lectures by Norman Mailer, James Baldwin, Bruno Bettelheim, uh, one-man shows of artists, even happenings to uh, the da uh, talk about the dance by Eric Hawkins, uh, formerly the Martha Graham Company. But I think primarily our subject will be the film, the experimental and documentary film. And around the microphone, we'll no doubt uh, comments will be made about the festival itself. Uh, from beginning last night all the way through next Sunday. But let's talk with members of the jury, including Arthur Knight, who was the film editor of the Saturday Review. You may recall Mr. Knight was uh, a guest on this program about a year ago, and a very stimulating program it was indeed. Pauline Kale, a West Coast film critic, was written for magazines such as Partisan Review, Sight and Sound, and whose article and perspective created so much controversy, pro and con, more letters about that of yours, Pauline, about the art film. Some thought you were putting down the art film goer, but more of this as we go along. And Parker Tyler, who's a student of the film for many years, whose two books right now are available. One is uh, Hollywood Hallucinations, the other the classics of the foreign film. Right. A Citadel, as well as two Chicagoans, uh, Harold Hayden, artist, member of the Chicago Art Department, who was a member of the jury, and Jerry Temener, who also teaches at the university, and Jerry was a guest once before, involving his magazine, the magazine in which he's co-editor, New University Taught, uh, taught New University Taught. <laughs> now, where do we begin? With the films themselves that you saw, this, by the way, we should point out that our guests are very bright-eyed and sparkling this morning, despite the fact they've seen about 51 films in three days. Now, wh what are the nature of the films? Suppose we start with Arthur Knight. What are the nature of the films that uh, the jury was seeing and judging? We saw... <coughs> experimentals and documentaries exclusively. There are also on the program, out of competition, a number of feature films by young American filmmakers, but our concern was with the documentaries and the experimentals that are in the competition and will be seen during the next few days. There are films not only from the United States, but also from abroad, several from Canada, several very good ones from Canada, one rather interesting one from Yugoslavia, a couple not so interesting ones from Switzerland. Uh, I would say uh, on the whole though that the general level both pleased and surprised us. The number of quite good films far exceeded the number of ones that uh, we wished had never been put on celluloid. And that for a festival jury is not a bad, uh, is not a bad average. Who are the makers of the films primarily? Perhaps this may indicate a new development in filmmaking. Uh, Pauline Kael? It certainly does indicate a new development, at least if you want to call the last 15 years saying new. Uh, these are films by, many of them by young kids. Uh, they're almost all completely outside the industries from whatever country, uh, except for the Canadian films, because the Canadians and the National Film Board uh, do produce uh, short works. But most of them are made by people who either want to do something personal, expressing themselves in the film medium, uh, or by artists turning to film as a new form of expression. A great many of them, I think, are made by, by painters, by writers, uh, 
who uh, have seen the new possibilities in film, largely because of the great developments in other countries in the last year. The, I, I don't know how many movies you go to see, but I'd say movies are really greater than ever, but not American movies. Uh, out of Japan, India, France, Italy, marvelous movies have been coming in the last few years. Uh, out of Hollywood, very little. And so the American filmmakers, or anyone interested in film, uh, has to work by himself on a shoestring uh, or through a film school, try to do something to use film as an expressive medium the way it's used in other countries now. May, may I interject? Uh, I agree. Because I think uh, Out of Hollywood should be explained a little bit. Uh, two of the films, at least, that are being shown, perhaps more, uh, The Proper Time, uh, Night Tide, The Exiles, that's three, uh, all of these are features out of competition, but these were made physically the locale was Hollywood, but the setup was quite different from the big studios, which I think is what Pauline means. Yes, I mean, you would consider the new American cinema, say, they were certainly not financed by the studios in any way. They wouldn't right? go near them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the point that Pauline Kale made, one of the uh, tangential points that Parker, Parker Town, by the way, anybody, feel free, uh, Harold Hayden, uh, Jerry, feel free to jump in. He spoke of people in other, it's rather interesting about people in other art forms using the cinema. I mean, you spoke with painters and musicians. In uh, Italy, this is particularly important. Uh, and, uh, for instance, the, the leading uh, filmmakers from the East now, Kurosawa was a painter turned for filmmaker. I know, so he was a, a, a of India. Yeah. In Hollywood, even a man like Irvin Kirshner, who made the, the Hoodlum Priest, was a Hans Hoffman student before he turned to film. And in Italy now, the writers are turning to the film medium. Uh, so this is a new development, yeah, a real new opening up, I think. This really is something new. The uh, pop art business has now upgraded itself to call itself new realist in the galleries. It's very strongly shown right away in this film competition, although it's been in the galleries only six months to a year. In England, maybe a little longer. The English event, which in America is the Bacchanal and Happening, or the occurrence, as some of our people like to describe the ones they don't like, that is bound to make a terrific impact on the visual arts generally and the films, I think largely because uh, it's uh, so easy to get into the act, just as the abstract expressionism swept the world. Anybody could pick up something and splash it. So everybody's going to look around now, and by golly, they're going to see possibilities on every fruit stand and every uh, little uh, corner they turn to of doing something with real new meaning and this will turn up in the film. We've seen it wildly in one or two already in the films. The, the little film uh, from Carmen Dorvino, for example, mm -hmm. the, the one with the spinning rocks which yes. suddenly burst into color. I thought yeah. that was in a very early primitive tradition. Uh, I didn't uh, relate that to modern trends at all. Well, uh, Parker Tyler, we haven't heard, I'm just wondering, <coughs> aren't there perils involved here as well as challenges, the fact that uh, there are so many avenues to explore in, in the movie today? Yes, there are. Uh, to begin with, I'd like to modify one classification that's been established, that is the, um, the experimental uh, and documentary. I really prefer the, uh, to modify both of them with the term avant-garde. That is, the avant-garde uh, meaning uh, original ideas and new approaches and viewpoints. I think that both uh, experimental films and documentaries can break out of um, old, uh, short, uh, tradi their short traditions of their own and um, establish 
new styles for, for themselves and new, uh, new plastic ideas. And we've come across a couple of films that do have this avant-garde quality, even in the uh, realm of the documentary. Wasn't one of the troubles that the avant-garde was not present in certain of the avant-garde films? We could use more of it. Mm -hmm. The ones that are traditionally uh, avant-garde no longer are. Well, that's asking for perfection, and of course, we all like perfection, but they usually we only approach it. Can I ask a question? Please. Uh, what do you mean by the perils? You know, what are the dangers? I mean, suppose artists play around. Suppose they waste their time or money or don't produce anything. What harm does it do? Uh, it helps them. Uh, even bad art uh, does not do any harm that I can see. Uh, I mean, commercial art that infects a country, that closes your eyes, that prevents you from seeing, uh, there are dangers in that. But if kids play around uh, and make some bad movies, it's, uh, you know, a harmless recreation. <coughs> it might be better for them than Well, and, and harmless recreation at the same time with chances for creativity, for new ways sure. of, of course. Now, I think the reason I asked that, and perhaps worded wrongly, is this. Uh, how esoteric are the... F I mean, what is a good art film? I, I asked this question, remember, interview Rene Clare, and he said, it's not too difficult to make an art film that will be appreciated by relatively few people. The great challenge is to make a good film that is an art film that the great many can see. It's a challenge yeah. he hasn't licked. His no, greatest yeah. work uh, was not popular. But over a period yeah. of years, a great many people have seen it. I object to your terminology. Yeah. I object I to this term esoteric and to the loading good. you're giving us, shoot. right? Shoot. Uh, what esoteric films have you ever seen? Isn't this just the traditional bourgeois attack on art? You know, it's esoteric. I haven't seen any esoteric films in this festival. There were a couple diddling ones that weren't uh, very interesting. Well, maybe Studs is using a euphemism for chaotic. No, uh, don't defend me. <laughs> this is a, I no, think no, I'm no. glad this came up. No, I'm glad this came up, Pauline. This is, this is a good point, I think, that uh, we should. Let's say I would be the Philistine for the moment. I am the Philistine. Oh, are you, you're just assuming this yeah. attitude? No, then? I'd be the Philistine. In I'm the Chicago yeah. style? No, it's <laughs> Chicago-style Philistine, say, challenging. I want to deliberately do this challenging the fact that there's some creative people at work, young people who are, who are doing remarkable works at the same time. I'm wondering if, because of the chaos involved, and uh, maybe the word chaotic might be involved here, so much energy is being lost. Oh, so, what's yeah. it being lost Shoot. to? You mean they should be out fighting in the streets instead? Uh, no, besides, these films are not chaotic. They're not chaotic no. enough. That's the problem. That people therapy, are working in yeah. small uh, ways. Pauline, what, what, what are you... No, no, all I, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that if people are really trying to do something personal and expressive, it's going to seem very chaotic mm -hmm. till they find their way. Mm -hmm. And the problem with these films is they are not that personal and expressive looking, for the most part. Looking They're back very neat. Well, one of the perils is whether they will find their way or not. They, yeah. they, they often don't. It's just a question for the time or money wasted, but of how close they are to uh, achieving the aim. And isn't it also a question of... Uh, after one does uh, make such a film, uh, isn't there a separate judgment in a way uh, <coughs> concerning whether one should show it, which has to do with things like uh, taste or how far an experiment uh, can go before, uh, well, to what show extent it? an experiment would go such that it would be interesting to other people and not just uh, a case study or a, uh, uh, something like finger painting. Well, and I therapy. think it's unhealthy to, to, to make works of art and not show them as unhealthy for mm -hmm. the artist. Uh, certainly painters make every effort to show their work. Once they've uh, broken ice and 
uh, gotten in a one man, uh, gotten in a group show, or had a one man show. I'm afraid I agree with I agree with Jerry that one of the big difficulties that we find in the film field is that these young people tend to be so completely egocentric that as soon as they put something on celluloid, they have to rush it to an audience. When you use the word experimental, there is the implication of a finding out on the part of the artist. And uh, I don't know if you translate it to, the, to any other field. The experiment in science remains in the laboratory. It wasn't the, the 467 experiments with pitch blend that Madame Curie brought to the public. It was the piece of radium that finally came out of it on the 468. Yes, but, but the experiments true? didn't have very much uh, interest in themselves. You know, isn't it true that the, the news of the, these experiments that rushed to the New York Times we all 400 and I mean, they're, well, they're, no, they're no, complete, no, they're, they're not that. More than 450 brushstrokes to a painting, these aren't individually shown, any more than the individual steps of a scientific experiment is shown. Now, the Bell but Laboratories don't come out in print and say that they're experimenting on such and such a thing. They say, we have experimented, and now we've brought forth this. Well, that's what a painter says, or an experimental filmmaker says, when he presents his work to an audience. We've been doing but, this. But uh, aren't we looking here, perhaps I raised this question earlier, and I'm, gl I'm glad this came up. I'm looking, perhaps the word I was seeking is standards. What are the standards? I'm wondering what's the matter. What is a standard that would differentiate that a film of self-indulgence, let's say, in which the jury may agree or disagree, and a film that stands out, you see it, uh, the, uh, uh, the filmmaker is saying something. He is making a comment. He is saying something very definite, a statement. What is a, there must be standards, must there not, for the jury? What do you mean in the way that Leonardo is a standard for painting? Mm -hmm. No, do you have not a standard between a good <coughs> film and a bad film? A good, a good experimental film and a bad experimental Certainly. film. I, I, I what agree is the standard? Isn't, isn't there a criterion involved somewhere? Studs, I agree with Miss Kale. I'm going to give her a lead yeah. that mm -hmm. uh, these people are recognizing standards and they're looking over the shoulder to see what would fit best as the next step. And if they forget that and just look into the future and forget what's been done, and the reason they enter them in a festival is to find out whether they've met certain critical standards. They assume a jury uh, has enough perception to recognize if they're doing something new or if they're doing something over but, again. But how many remakes of Dreams That Money Can Buy? Uh, in this festival, seen? singularly no, not, few. Not, not in this festival. I mean, this is a question, uh, this is the point you raised when you spoke about looking over uh, the shoulder. I mean, if, if we're talking about avant-garde in the sense of experimenting and moving in a certain direction within a medium, we would uh, assume, if, if these people are seriously doing this, that that they would be familiar with what has been done and not simply duplicate uh, experiments. I have seen a great number of films that were like films that money could buy, can buy. Well, the problem is in this country, uh, people are working independently in all parts of the country. Very often they don't have the background or knowledge they should have to know that what they're attempting has been done before and done better. But I object to this language of self-indulgence, uh, which is so often uh, used and loaded against anyone who's trying to do something new in could, film. Could I, could I substitute the word a lack of self-criticism? No. Well, but I think it carries the same pejorative weight, and I wonder I why. Mean I mean, what is possible harm in it? I mean, suppose it yeah. is self-indulgent, so what? You make a distinction between taste and imagination. Pauline, I hate to do this to you. Could I quote you? Okay, Terrible. sure. <laughs> in the article, I think, by the way, if we may just expand the, the uh, just enter some new avenues here, why not? We'd be free talking about films. We'll, we'll, we'll return, of course, to the festival and some of the films, and I'll ask you some of those that perhaps... Uh, uh, occurred to you as being more creative than others that you saw. This is you, Pauline, talking about the art films. 
And you were sort of putting down the art audience. That I would like to suggest that the educated audience often uses art films in much the same self-indulgent way as the mass audience use the Hollywood product, finding wish fulfillment in the form of cheap and easy congratulation on their sensitivities and their liberalism. Now, this is another subject entirely you're talking yes. about feature films. I'm talking films. about the self-indulgence yeah. yeah. of people who, instead of opening themselves to the experience in a medium, mm -hmm. uh, go to uh, films, uh, go to the medium to be congratulated on what they already feel and what they already know on their education, which I think is is perfectly obvious to most of us uh, with, with socially conscious movies, movies with a message. People go and they say, isn't this marvelous? Look what it's doing for the masses. It's showing them that race prejudice is wrong. It's doing all these things for people out there. Actually, the people uh, who are supposed to have the good done for them generally uh, reject these movies as pedantry and, and more school book uh, messages that they, they've already rejected because their experience shows them other aspects of life that are always cut out of these movies. Uh, for instance, uh, the movies that, sh uh, that are supposed to improve uh, race relations always show you an innocent Negro who's accused of a crime. Uh, so your, your sympathies are never involved uh, with a man who has committed a crime. But if you walk down the street or walk through the streets of Chicago, you will see that people are actually afraid of crimes. They're afraid of attack. Uh, what good does it do them to go see a Stanley Kramer movie that tells them that all Negroes are innocent uh, and you're supposed to clasp this man's hand? This has very little to do with the realities uh, of our life. And I think this is true of, of most of the social problem pictures. They take a very limited, dogmatic, pedantic view. And, and it is the educated audience who already believes in the social principles that says, look how much this is doing for the masses. The masses know better out of their own experience. Uh, I, re I don't like the term yeah. masses. It's all we've got at yeah. the moment. Uh, they, they reject these movies. Uh, they, they can cry fake, fake, fake. A and I think they're right. And I think it's time you know, that, that liberals should stop uh, always thinking they're doing good for other people and turning movies into a message medium. But it's far more important that movies, like other arts, extend your experience uh, rather than, than contracting it and congratulating you for it. Now, what's the difference between Stanley Kramer thinking that he's doing something serious, making a film which he thinks is saying something, and uh, an avant-garde filmmaker making a film which he thinks is serious, uh, which he thinks is saying something? You're asking me what the difference is? Mm -hmm. you, you seriously don't don't see it? Or are you once again taking the Chicago uh, questioning method? Is it Chicago mm -hmm. questioning? <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, yes, well, I, I, I'm extremely... <laughs> I want to know what the San Francisco questioning this. method is in a moment, but go ahead. Uh, well, uh, uh, why, why no, no, don't no, you no, answer you this part? No, 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 that's not fair, because according to your principles, one does not say to, is it simply that more people see the Kramer films? Is that what you object to? Because we no, aren't, no, no. you said it is in, it, you, you're tired of the uh, bourgeois attacks uh, on the avant-garde as uh, misusing yeah. their media, et cetera, et cetera. And I could say, well, Kramer's a fool, but uh, no, no, he's got no, a right to make films. I don't say that Kramer's a fool. I think well, this, is. this is, uh, you know, irrelevant. I don't know well, what Pauline, quite frankly, I think you're setting up a straw man. I think nobody agrees with you that films that are cartoon in nature, that speak of the good and the All bad. Right. That's, a, that's a straw man. May, I think may, we're talking now about art films. You attacked Hiroshima Mon Amour, for example, as a, yeah, as a that, case That's a very so. complex case. Yeah. Let, let me yeah. put it this way. If a movie, for instance, dealt with the Negro problem as many of us experience it, this same liberal audience that I am attacking here would attack this movie as doing us harm, giving a bad image 
uh, of America, probably showing Negroes unfairly. Uh, white people are not supposed to be afraid of Negroes on a street corner at night. Uh, you couldn't film any one of a number of American classics of literature without being attacked uh, on the basis of, uh, you know, an unfortunate image. I'm, I'm saying that... Aren't you underestimating the uh, uh, film audience? Uh, uh, no, this? This I am like not. I, I have, I have <laughs> seen Negro groups, uh, Negro groups uh, prevented a production of Huckleberry Finn from being done in a high school in San Francisco well, recently. I don't, I don't think anybody is bucking you on this point. Are, 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 we, are, we, are we debating, Pauline, on this point? Well, I, I think this is a certain confusion. That is to say, the issue seems to be uh, uh, the, the standardization in both the uh, commercial film and the avant-garde film and standardization in the responses of the respective audiences for these films. Now, it's a question of defining in each case what the standardization is. Otherwise, they're going to get confused. I mean, there's self-indulgence in uh, audiences, in, in certainly uh, commercial directors and commercial studios, this also self-indulgence, as uh, Arthur Knight says, and I agree with him, in among the experimentalists. But what I think is that it, it, uh, you're apt to saddle the whole uh, experimental movement with being self-indulgent unless you come to uh, uh, careful reservations about the whole field, so far as the experimental film goes. And maybe it's a little true also of uh, Pauline's sort of all-out indictment of uh, audiences for art films, big art films, I mean. But it's just a question of, of, of uh, definition and precision of thought. You know, perhaps, uh, Pauline. I, I'm not uh, indicting, you know, this audience in that sense, Parker. You gave everybody that impression. Uh, yes, but I think this is, is because I attacked some of the feelings they had, they thought I was attacking art films. Uh, you know, movies are, are my medium, too. Uh, I think uh, movies are extraordinary at the moment, are perhaps our greatest uh, medium of expression in the modern world. And I think they've been greater the last few years than ever before. But uh, I think the limitation uh, in America, part of, of uh, our whole problem, why America has fallen so far behind in movies, why it is becoming more and more standardized, is also the way the audience is reacting to our films and what they are looking for in them, because they are looking for statements rather than, rather than for the experience of art. Prepared responses, you mean. That's right. The but responses I mean are built into these movies anyway. That's truer now than it used to be. That's your case. You that's right, sure. And I, I'm also attacking the audience, which, which goes to see, for instance, a film like Hiroshima Mon Amour, and, and swoons away with the heroine and can't, and can't really even see the, the film uh, because of this identification, which I compared uh, with the shop girl's identification with the Joan Crawford movie, I think. I because I don't think it's on a much her. higher level. What did you say, Jerry? I didn't identify with her. <laughs> well, I don't see why you should. <laughs> well, I don't understand. I mean, is that your objection to the film? Uh, no, I, I object to the way people took this movie uh, as a great experience, and many of them did, because of the overtones of, of guilt and confusion uh, about the Nazis and Hiroshima itself and the bomb, which somehow lent weight to a love affair that was very confusingly related to it. Uh, but people had feelings about that movie because the hero was Japanese, and so he represented our war guilt. You see, you get, you get into kind of dangerous ground. What if uh, I say I think Picasso's a great painter, he's the greatest uh, comic strip artist ever, 
he's really wonderful. Now you, you would just ignore that sort of statement. You wouldn't care whether I liked it or not. You'd talk about the painting. Uh, and See, I think, you now Jerry's point, uh, Paul, I think there's a point here. We're talking about, re you're talking about the reactions of a certain kind of audience that talks about a certain film, that cocktail bar thing to do. I think the question is, what did you think of Hiroshima Mon Amour? We're talking about films and standards, if we could for the moment. I know you're talking about certain audiences all of us are aware of. They're clay pigeons. We're not talking about them. Well, it's interesting that these audiences often reject the very finest films as trivial or incoherent or chaotic or one thing or another because they don't take out of them uh, an identification or a message or some simple statement that they already believed when they went into the theater. Uh, for instance, uh, a really great Japanese film like Yojimbo was hardly discussed in this country. Uh, because they, they, they could not take away from it the simple things. Uh, Jules and Jim uh, was discussed in nothing like the same terms as Hiroshima Mon Amour. And as a matter of fact, many people rejected the movie because uh, they were confused about the uh, central character, uh, the Catherine of the film, because she is an ambivalent, uh, complex character. And they couldn't figure out whether they were supposed to be for her or against her. And they have gotten the idea that you go to movies to be for or against somebody. Isn't this leading to a new subject, perhaps, that all of us can enter our... Well, I would like to identify... Excuse me. I would like to identify the enemy that I think Pauline is really aiming at, and that is a very contemporary phenomenon. It's the rise of the power of public relations, of controlled responses to works of art as to everything else. And this... Is bound. It, it does operate, and might be said to, ba uh, to be bound to operate, I even in in regard to art theater audiences, especially when pictures are so concerned with with uh, 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 big topics, uh, uh, topics of the moment that concern us globally, and that have to do with uh, the aftermath of the World War and uh, a premonition of perhaps another war to come. People are, are trained by the press and trained everywhere to think of things in a certain way, the right way to think of the most personal emotions and uh, of traditional responses uh, uh, aroused by art in given ways, in controlled ways. And it's this controlled uh, response to art that I think Pauline is complaining about. In fact, it's not a response to art. But it is, it is, it is a response. It's, it's removing the, the art from relations. the art in order to respond well, to it. to the vehicle of the art. Yes, yes, Whoever yes. expects them to respond. Now, let me give an example. Uh, we all know that uh, the Little Edison machine um, uh, showing films was a very private thing. You, know, you looked in by yourself. There was no large audience. There weren't a lot of people. What if films developed in that way as they might now with tapes? So you sat in a room alone and watched films, but it turns out that Novels could only be shared by groups. It just this is a differently structured universe. So that you talk about mass audiences when you talk about novels, and you talk about uh, a, a private experience when you talk about a film. Now, whoever in the world would expect everyone to enjoy a, a James novel? Whoever would expect everyone to enjoy a Proust novel? Why we, bother? We did. Well, I, I don't understand this. I don't this understand uh, Jerry's point. I I'm saying that the the the, the idea. Uh, is, uh, uh, that uh, these people in some fashion ought to properly respond to the film, which we don't have uh, in, in other arts, I didn't say comes properly. from 
uh, comes from the fact that everybody sits in the same room. It's very democratic. You know, in, 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 in the drama, you have seats that cost different amounts of money. Here, everybody pays the same amount. You don't have balconies of different heights, you know. What Jerry is saying is that the film is, a, is essentially a mass medium. Uh, but it the isn't theater was always a mass medium. The, the, the film is simply a variety of theater, and the theater was always no, I'm saying a mass because medium. Because a number of people watch it, why uh, do we ha make the assumption that they have to understand it in the way that uh, Miss Kale seems to be upset when she sees people misunderstand films? I'm asking if they respond, well, no. Jerry. Well, yeah, why why should they she even respond? I'm saying, would well, shouldn't you get as much out of an art as you why can? Don't, uh, why doesn't she write an article uh, condemning people for their responses to James novels? Well, because she's not as interested in that as in what she's doing. Well, very few uh, critics uh, right, engage. Uh, uh, the function of the critic is to help people see as much in a work and respond to it and get out of an art as, as the critic can help them to get out of it. This is the whole role of criticism. Yes, I'm glad we've gotten around to And I have not here. written yeah. just yeah. one uh, article. I've written, you know, uh, uh, many articles. We're discussing this particular one. Uh, but I was trying to, to cut out some of these limitations in point of view to get at a more complete, uh, a, a wider response to mm -hmm. art. That's exactly my point. See, I'm, I, right. I question, I just wonder why we assume that the films have to be more widely responded to than we do uh, now the poetry and the poetry. It's the question of the width of the right. response. The width of yes. No, no, no. It's the question of the propriety of it. And only in general. No, not no. if the audience should react as, if, a, if as a unit. Yes, but, but if, that someone, if someone came up to her and said uh, 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 one of her favorite poets is really saying such and such, she'd uh, talk to him for an hour, think he's a fool, and walk away. I don't think she'd write an article about I think about Arthur, Arthur, Arthur uh, wanted to get going here. What I'd like to point out is that here we are, several critics seated around a table, uh, obviously not agreeing, and I think part of what Pauline's function in life is turning out to be is to indicate that there are ways of looking at films, ways of enjoying this particular art experience that are outside of the public relations approach. And that anything that we can do as critics to open up people in any way to this kind of an awareness is a positive function for us. That's I think right. so, yeah. And I, w I would feel the same way about James' novels. Uh, but people do not reduce, say, the golden bowl to a simple message and interpret it that way. Uh, we, we've had a long tradition of criticism in other fields. In movies, uh, the newspaper reviewers uh, have simplified responses. Connecting uh, par uh, Parker's point and, and uh, Arthur's point here, the dangers of conditioned responses due to the expert work <coughs> of public relations men and the job of the critic as such to negate the deleterious effect of this critic to point out that despite public relations, this is what we're judging, this is what I see. May I ask a point about the public, uh, the, f the movie as a public art? Uh, as a young film, Stan Vanderbeek, young experimental mm -hmm. filmmaker, yeah. he was talking about something, he says, the day will come, Jerry touched upon this, I see him <coughs> about this, when there will be prints of films, just and, some, and people at home seeing it by themselves, I'm thinking now of the film uh, seen by people gregariously, together in one hall, a thousand people, as against one man seeing, he someday perhaps prints to be that Tape. cheap. They'll at tapes, you know, so that uh, they'll see it as they would say a painting in the house. Uh, do you see this somehow entering the picture? I, I see it as a, as, a, as a possibility, and as a possibility that has the same relationship to a movie experience as listening to an LP phonograph record at going to Symphony Hall. Uh, 
I, I don't feel that it's in the nature of film to be that private an experience. And or that repetitive. Or that repetitive. Or that repetitive. You know, for a long time, they read uh, they read things out loud. It's very recent that people read quietly without moving their lips and not out loud to each other. And then when, how would you decide that? For well, example, excuse me, but in the Middle Ages, the monks read the, by themselves. Yes, the Saint Augustine, <laughs> I think, is the first uh, mention of, uh, of reading by himself, and he mentions that this was very odd. But anyhow, how would you separate there? No, but how well, would you I separate? How, what if someone said to you, yes, reading is also a communal experience, and uh, reading by yourself is like uh, listening to an LP. Uh, there's, a, there's as, as you said that, I was thinking of the, the way the, the uh, uh, Iliad developed, and it was a development until finally it was, it was written down. But, but who knows what the, what the original of the Iliad was. It changed with each telling. The film that comes to us in a little package which we put into a projector is not going to change. The book that we read, the book that we buy, uh, is, is fixed for all time. It doesn't have that living sense that uh, uh, once kept the narrative alive. No, but I, I meant even in cases of, of, of books that were the same, that would be read. Or stated hypothetically, what would be, how would you distinguish, and how would you say, no, reading is a private experience, whereas seeing films, it's of the essence of seeing a film, appreciating a film, that you do it in a group. Why, why should it be? I don't well, understand this. Dickens was read aloud in the family. We all read fairy tales aloud to our children. Uh, it isn't the Bible was read aloud. Of course. Uh, and sometimes we look at movies alone in a theater or even alone at home. Uh, what's the problem? No, we began talking. Remember, I raised I this point. I raised this point, member, of a man seeing a film, which we consider a public art, by himself. I wonder whether this would be a possible trend eventually. One I think well, it's done on television yeah. all the time. Sure. Yeah. So you do it on TV. Well, th th uh, television gives a very good example of what I'm trying to say. Uh, those of you who've seen, let's say, a Marx Brothers comedy on television, as opposed to seeing it in the theater, realize that qualitatively it's a different experience. The, the, the bill, the lift that you get from an audience laughing is just not there. Why do they have I'm canned laughter? Terrible as it is, but why do they have well, canned laughter? Reason. Yes. However, if you have a group at home watching a Marx Brothers movie on, on television, it's rather a marvelous experience, as I've discovered. I don't think this is that important. It yeah. is fun to see things in an audience and get their responses to it along back, with your back, own. If we may, back not to the essential. art film. This theme hits me, perhaps it may hit you. Back to the art film and the mass audience. Again, we uh, Rene Clair's point of he could make a film that could reach many. Uh, De Sica said originally the Italian people did not like Bicycle Thief because it dealt with their lives realistically. They wanted to see John Wayne. Or but he says eventually, uh, he says with a more recent film, this is his comment, that more are seeing it. Do you feel with the trends in filmmaking today, uh, whether they be Hollywood films or the experimental films, is something happening to public quote-unquote taste for good or for bad? Do you sense a change taking place here that eventually say... I, I think what, what, yeah. what actually happens is that the René Clair <coughs> films or the Good De Sica films, as early films that is, develop their audience over a period of years uh, and are seen by small groups at a time. Eventually it's a very large audience. Uh, the big films that, for instance, De Sica makes now, which I think are very bad, are seen by a large audience initially. Uh, and disappear much faster, I would assume. For instance, Two Women, which I think is very poor, De Sica, is seen by more people at once. Uh, than ever saw Shoeshine or Umberto D or The Bicycle Thief. Uh, but this is a matter of, of, a, of a good work.
creating its audience and building it up, no. and a product uh, being pre-sold. Isn't that a characteristic of great works of art, yes. many of them, that they build slowly, and the art film can start out very quietly? I just think that people looking at the film privately or in small groups would depend even more on the critics. You ought to look forward to the day when they'll read you the way they read other uh, even record jackets to find out how they're supposed to listen to the music. They'll read you to see how they're supposed to. <laughs> Although I guess we have to agree these uh, tapes will not change with each performance and you won't compare tape one with tape B very often. Well, ha has there been a, a, do you sense a trend, I say, for better or for worse, or is it just uh, uh, another public relations job that's being done? Has there been a development? I'm talking now about films generally, Hollywood, European. Has there been a an advance as far as yes, I think there has, but it's been kept down by the the, the public relations uh, milieu. I I think though that and Pauline uh, could speak about this much better than I, that uh, the very spread of the art house movement in this country is an evidence of this uh, change. Whether whether the people go for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, Pauline, at least they're going. And I know the figures were something like a dozen art houses in the whole of the United States uh, in 1946. Now the figure is up around 500. They, and uh, for some pictures, they can get into something like 2,500 theaters. This wasn't the case before. But I think it's, it's you mustn't judge too much. It's very complicated. Uh, sometimes very great films are hits. Uh, sometimes very bad films are hits. This has always been true. Uh, the movies have been a mass medium. They have not been a mass medium. I mean, Chaplin's films drew a very large audience. Now, if you release the Chaplin films, they're only for, a, for an art house audience. Uh, uh, very peculiar things happen in the history of film. Very few of the really great works were big box office hits to start with. Some of them were, some were not. But right now, the art house movement uh, gives uh, entertainment to educated people, to the college-educated American audience. Uh, my problem in appreciating this audience as much as most people think I should is that I very often see them wanting their movies for their educated tastes. They want a movie that will not offend their intelligence. I mean, a, a barbarous, marvelous work they would reject because it had things in it uh, that offended their educated principles. But the other thing is that this, this audience... Is this an educated audience, really, that would be offended by a barbarous, marvelous film? This is what I meant by your yes, straw yes, man. Yes, yes, they don't know how... No, that's not an educated no, no, audience, I think they very often... No, they yeah. are educated Well, technically people. they are. Yes, but look, yeah. for instance, uh, the, the man, great hits of the art house audience at the moment are, are two films, uh, David and Lisa and Sundays and Sibel. I think both are rather poor films in very different ways. Uh, but some of the, you know, really marvelous movies of, of recent years have not reached this audience, uh, don't attract this audience. Here again, it's a matter of selling of the critics who have led them uh, to these films. Uh, so the fact that there are a lot of small theaters now uh, catering to this audience does not necessarily mean that their tastes have improved that much. Oh, but it does mean, Pauline, that the films are available. We look back to the 30s and, and wonder where were these great French films shown? And you and, and, and you have to say, well, there were there there in were France. two or three theaters in New York, one theater in San Francisco, one in Chicago. They just didn't get distribution. In some yes. cases, Rings mm -hmm. Grand Illusion played in neighborhood houses all over America. 
uh, a lot of them reached a wider audience than the art house audience. Uh, however, it's also By the way, how far back did Grand Illusion? When did Grand Illusion first play in neighborhood houses? Thirty-seven. It did neighborhood houses. Mm -hmm. It did. Well, see, no. I wonder if Surely. we couldn't, apart from talking about the uh, notion of uh, uh, of the American audience that they, this educated audience, that they must somehow obtain a message, which I think is certainly uh, true from films. There is a, a kind of basic uh, visual problem. Uh, Jules and Jim, I think, is a good example. I saw it at a, uh, uh, a theater. Uh, which people should know better, and they laughed at things, for example, like uh, Catherine changing rooms, going from one room to the other. But when the camera started spinning around, and when that delightful little village idiot uh, sequence uh, was on the screen, the uh, absolute deadpan, because uh, uh, in some sense, this, this was, uh, uh, we use this perhaps too much, it was a v the humor was visual there. It was not a joke, it was not a uh, uh, something that you know, you knew it was going to be a joke, you waited for the line, and then you laughed at it. Uh, it suddenly happened, it spun around, and no one knew what to do with it. Well, they're used to having the responses built in. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what the standardized mm -hmm. American film has done to them, and when they are not clued on how to react, very often they are confused. But would, you, they become hostile. would you admit, Pauline, to peripheral gains being made because of what yes, yes. Yes. the, the, the you know, expansion of... Do you want me to say I believe in... No, 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 speak your piece, it's marvelous. But <laughs> are, have there, has the, in other words, have we gone back? See, because you were saying there was a time when... I wasn't around then. I you were saying been. when Chaplin films were seen by mass audiences, today if they came back, there would not be. There are probably other reasons for this, too. There's well, been sort of a blackout on yes, Chaplin. Yes, no, that's true. When, when, just when not shown no, 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 no. It's Chaplin himself, incidentally, who yeah. keeps his yes. films out of yeah. America yeah. by the high yeah. rentals he wants for them. Yeah. But uh, when, when his films are reissued, they play strictly in mm -hmm. art houses now mm -hmm. because old movies uh, do not attract a mass audience. This is obvious. Mm -hmm. Only certain yeah. key reissues, mm -hmm. like Gone with the wind uh, played uh, big houses. This, this is part and here of the again, whole public American relations that yeah. Har Parker was talking about. Sure. Yes. But Americans also were contemptuous yeah. of the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and partly, this is the effect of movie advertising. You're supposed to go for the be the next well, new big yeah. well, catastrophic no event movie, the bigger stereophonic yeah. sound. And old movies uh, do not attract a wide audience anymore. The films we've been seeing, though, and judging in the festival, indicate there's an influx of uh, creative artists from other fields, and I'd be willing to bet they won't be influenced by the brainwashing of public relations. They don't know it, they don't care. In fact, in New York, I believe there are about eight features being made right now by people By painters and sculptors uh, and well such, uh, writers. By the, the, these films that you have been judging on the scene, is there a, is there a trend one way or the other in these films? Uh, a, uh, I'm asking now, in these films you've seen, there's 51 films, is there some have common thread of some sort, <laughs> rather, than, uh, do some have been have some been hitting a uh, certain theme? Yes, more running, than spinning, than uh, uh, whirling. Uh, uh, this is one of, of the obsessions of our time. That people like to see movement. Running. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and running has acquired a new kind of existential content uh, for mm. these people. Running is supposed to symbolize something about our lives. In in the Antonioni films, it's always the walk. In the films that we've seen, everybody runs. That's well, the difference that's the most popular trend in in the art theater. That's true. Well, people run in chases, don't they? Keystone cops run. Yeah, in but you'll find the individual running now are a small group of individuals. In the Keystone Cop comedies, it was sort of a uh, galaxy running. But this, as in the walk, it's... Uh, I sort of was a running with joy, too, in a way. Yeah, the Peace Walkers, it was sort of a, a very limited few who were very strongly characterized, not by 
their feelings. It wasn't, they weren't uh, uh, propelled. They were sort of, uh, or rather they were self-propelled in a dogged way. And for an idea, for the sake of an idea, not for an emotion. They were not propelled by an emotion, but uh, for the sake of an idea. And even in one of those films, uh, where, where there was some kind of fancy gymnastics. Uh, it was for the sake of uh, displaying the body okay, and uh, toning up the muscles. Well, at least the, the, the walk was walking for something, and the gymnasts were tumbling for something. Most of the other films that we saw, people were running from something, you recall. The, 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 the run film, where the man goes through all of the streets of Canada, it seemed, to get away from fate, himself, whatever it might be. We had a pursuer, though. Yes, and the girl who wanted so, to leave West Liberty was also doing a good deal of running, remember? Keys. So then we're seeing films that are running from, from. something. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's a trend. The Keystone mm -hmm. comes running to something. I wonder what they the were just running for the hell of it. Running for the hell of it. Is there, by the way, is there a running for the hell of it? I was, you no. said there were some comedies. Yes, there are some very charming comedies in this festival, and I think uh, this is something that should not be overlooked. That a lot of the young filmmakers are interested in in humor. And now we're coming to it. You did find a sense of humor in oh, yes. some of these films. Yes, uh, improvisatory yeah. fun, something yeah. that's gone out of Hollywood movies that used to be great in them, uh, is coming back uh, via experimental films. Yes, there, there is a strong sense of, of personal fun in a, in a picture like Woken's Wake, Quite. which will be run, and I'm sure the audiences will have a good time Hilarious. at that. It's a kidding, you see, of, uh, it's, a, it's a kidding of the uh, uh, various classic films. I don't recall seeing anything that would classify as abstract humor, and I can remember way back when Thomas Wilfred in the Clavelux was able to generate abstract humor. A dance squared. No. That I came thought, close to I it. I thought of, I think that's true. That's close yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. But abstract humor would be a wonderful challenge for an artist in the film. Medium. I think this is an interesting point to make about the festival, that we hear so much talk about the joyless time which we live, and you see a great, a great deal of joyful films here, or films for, uh, well, in which... the joylessness of yeah. our time is yeah. the mechanization yes. of modern life, yes. but artists yes. in whatever medium yes. escape from this to yes. the degree mm -hmm. that they do mm -hmm. anything. Or in a film like Smoke, they kid it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we should point out that these you've chosen, uh, let's see now, what are the specifics now, if I may, about the festival? Let's see, you, you have judged, the jury has, ju you've judged the, you've decided upon winners already, have you not? Yes. Right. yes. And uh, are you up on this, Jerry? Yes, uh, in connection yeah. with it. Uh, uh, for example, today, uh, a few Laughlin films are being shown, a, uh, um, <coughs> a film made Is of Clarence salt. Locke and the photographer? No, 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 no. Tom Locke, the, the young filmmaker. Oh, not someone else. Uh, a film made of Saul Bass's titles, uh, a number of other interesting things are being shown, Israeli film, tonight at 7, <coughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry. That was last uh, night, Thursday I'm night sorry, to that's me. right, that was The Thursday, collection, yes. I'm sure it was last uh, night. The uh, Night Tide uh, will be shown in a Laughlin film, then at 7 p.m. The Exiles by Kent McKenzie, which I think... That's tonight. That's yeah. Friday night. We're Friday well, morning. You've, you've seen that. Though, yes, I think it's a very important uh, new film. It was made, uh, and this is something interesting in how it was financed, a group of USC boys uh, made this film, uh, and they used highly professional equipment that they scrounged up. They borrowed the money from over 25 friends uh, to make the film. It centers on the life of the alienated Indians 
in, in the downtown areas of our big cities, uh, the men who have left the reservation because there's no longer any life there and can't find any kind of life in the city either. I don't know if you know about this phenomenon, but in every big American city, the Indians tend to live communally in the tenderloin, and late at night, on certain nights, uh, they gather together and beat the drum and dance in various public parks and places. Uh, the, the movie deals with this climactic episode. In San Francisco, we recently had one of these episodes where uh, uh, the whole matter was called to public attention because one of the Indians uh, accidentally uh, was killed during the course of a, of a beach powwow, and suddenly people discovered you know, that every weekend for many years, the Indians had all been meeting and beating the tom-toms on one of the San Francisco beaches. In, in this film, it's on a hill, Hill X, mm -hmm. overlooking Los Angeles. Uh, now, this film has certain other interesting... It's now the site of the Chavez Ravine ballpark out there. Oh, uh, the this is the exile. Yes. yes. But this film also Kent reveals McKenzie. some of the difficulties of American filmmakers. Uh, part of their cast uh, was put in jail during the course of the movie. They had to wait for him to get out of jail because the Indians also live by petty theft. Uh, also, uh, two of the camera, the two cameramen were inducted. <laughs> Uh, so the whole production had to stop until uh, they uh, got out of the army. Uh, so it stretched over several years. It soaked up about $50,000 of their friends' money. The interesting thing is the friends are not that avid to get it back. They have faith in the production, and they're not hounding the kids to get their money back. And the boys are actually able to raise money at the moment. Uh, they're starting on another film shortly, even though they've, they've gotten virtually not a penny out of this one yet, and may not ever. Actually, the films, the films that we've been talking about the, this morning, the, the documentaries and the uh, experimentals, the avant-garde films, will be shown publicly uh, tomorrow afternoon, that's Saturday, at 2 o'clock, uh, again on Sunday at 2 and 7 at the university, the, continuation, the Continuing Education Center. And then if uh, anybody, after this discussion, wants to hear more of it, our whole panel will reassemble on Monday at 2 o'clock and again at 7 to talk about the new cinema. The new cinema. I hate that word, yeah. cinema. I wish we could just call them movies like Honest Americans. I don't know why <laughs> cinema is supposed to be better. It's such a fake word. I don't know any, any American who ever grew up <laughs> calling it cinema. Maybe we say movies in Chicago. Now, well, I've always said movies, but I think this somehow is to make it sound better than Hollywood. And yet most of us grew up on, you know, kind of marvelous Hollywood movies. Has anybody said cinema or cinema? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the British critics all call it film. <laughs> <laughs> so, where, by the way, uh, this, I suppose the point, since you've been seeing so many of these films, you've been involved with them, uh, the young American filmmakers, experimental documentarians, uh, I'm not asking for contrast, but are they stacking up pretty well with the young European filmmakers? Well, the, the young Europeans don't work as much independently. They don't have the resources, except at film schools. And there are a few marvelous film schools uh, in Europe, incomparably better than ours, particularly the one in Poland. And I think the experimental films made in Poland have not been rivaled by our young American filmmakers yet. Uh, but this is a peculiar thing. There is a, a central culture in the European countries, and so the people who are interested in art work together, they exchange ideas, they get to know uh, what's going on. Whereas in America, everyone's so dispersed. The pigeonholing here, you mean? No, I don't mean pigeon the pigeonholing. I mean, somebody's making a film in Minnesota, no. somebody else is making a film in Wyoming. Mm. Uh, there isn't this intellectual ferment 
uh, that you have in Paris, uh, uh, the ferment that produced the group of, of Truffaut, Godard, Chabrol, uh, that produces great experimental work for the Polish Film School. It requires an exchange of ideas that, that develops real sophistication about a medium. And Americans are, are hopelessly divided by our geography. So is it, is it the geography alone or is another factor here too? Well, the other factor is it would be nice to have uh, an American a film board of America, the way the film board of Canada functions. I mean, or a national academy. Right. Or an right. institution that uh, would simply give people equipment and teachers and nothing else. One of the big frustrations as a film teacher, of course, is the awareness that once the student has completed his four years at the university, including a thorough indoctrination in film, he has no place to take it. In Poland, in Italy, uh, even in England, there's the possibility, and certainly in France, there's a possibility of going on into, into professional production. In our country, once the student has gone through four years of a film school, he's faced with the sort of thing that Kent McKenzie was faced with in financing the exiles. He has to go to a number of well-heeled friends and hope that they have the faith to get him through a production. May I point out that in this particular case, very few of the people who invested in money were well-heeled. Well a lot yes. of them were army buddies who put in their so savings. So it's a buck or two they've picked up here and there That's as best right. they could. Uh, well-heeled people tend to finance yeah. the worst movies yeah. in this country. I, I think it's I only in New York in the limited stock companies yeah. that they've uh, financed some pretty good stuff. Well, the young European filmmakers, the young experimental filmmakers, are they? Uh, how does the subsidy work there? I mean, is, is this part of a... Uh, they can go yeah. into an industry yeah. in some yeah. cases, whereas in Hollywood, and I don't think we should shirk mentioning this, uh, there is a problem with the unions, something you're never supposed to attack in this country. Uh, but it's almost hopelessly difficult uh, for a young film school graduate to get a job, even if a company wants him. Uh, there's trouble getting him in through the union. Isn't that true, Absolutely Arthur? Absolutely true. Okay. Yes. There's a feeling of uh, you know continuity of Grissom's idea of a film board was. Uh, primarily, uh, he said, not to make good films, but to set up a, uh, a continuity, you know, get young people learning from older people, and they become older, and so on and so forth, and, and here you uh, don't have anything like that. Then what has been happening? The films you've seen, then, obviously, something that has happened spontaneously. I mean, the, the kids have done it on their own, pretty much. Two-string works. Yes, yes that's initiative. largely yeah. true. The, the uh, problem is that one of of, of all that knowledge lost. That is, I mean, Hollywood certainly has yeah. you know, done a great deal, and how is it transmitted? Uh, you mean doing it without watching? the technical know-how that they could have got under other circumstances well, not, from not the Hollywood filmmaking? technical know-how. Yeah. That isn't so very important. Yeah, Anybody can buy yeah. a Bolex and get yeah. an image and focus after half an hour if he's got any you know, talent at all. Okay. Uh, but in other countries, say the great American directors, the people in the industry would be teaching in a ah. film school with, and giving the young men chances of their assistance. Hollywood used to hire young men and put them on making shorts. Uh, so a great many... That's uh, no longer done. No, that's no, no longer done. There, there, sure. is, mm -hmm. there is one thing. Do we have... Sure, go ahead. Time? Oh, let's keep going. Because this, this is one of, the, one of the things that has pleased me so much in, in California. We've talked about the unions, and it's true. They, they provide a complete blind alley so far as young students are concerned. But I have found that the people in the industry themselves, many of them, are taking this problem quite seriously, and even even now are in are in the process of setting up some kind of a an informal group, whereby professionals will make films with students as crew. Uh, we've had one such film already with Fred Zinnemann directing, and with uh, 
Terry Sanders, who did Time Out of War on Isn't camera. it also true, Arthur, this film cannot be released and shown to the public because it was made under non-union circumstances? Yes, that's true. Mm. Okay. And great. But, but oh. the, the experience for the students is the, is the whole idea behind it, and that is there. Part really. of the experience is having an audience see what you've mm. done, though. And there's also another, another mm. we, we got a, Amen. our film group got a, that, uh, a notice from, from the, these uh, <coughs> uh, the studios mm -hmm. uh, telling us about this, and uh, the wording of it was very interesting. Uh, I think uh, they, they're really so caught uh, in what they've established in Hollywood, they don't know how to get out. For example, uh, they offered an award uh, for films, this is a uh, promoted by a major studio, uh, because they feel that uh, American uh, uh, filmmakers can make films just as good as uh, the films that those uh, new wave and neorealist producers make. Now, the word producers, I mean, what is a neorealist producer? I mean, how are they going to get out of that? Somebody who produces neorealism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, they didn't say director. I mean, maybe the guy that sent this memo out was sincere, but he, you know, this indicates something about an attitude. It was a neorealist producer, uh, not yeah. a director, not a filmmaker, but a producer. That, uh, well, it may have been verbal hazard, though. Right. I mean, yes. uh, there are verbal hazards in film publicity. Arthur's, <laughs> Arthur's opened up a brand new field, though. I'm much interested to know whether you think the uh, schools are capable of producing important art, or will they be just training grounds after which you start your career? This is an accusation that's been leveled against a lot of American education in art. From, from my own experience, it's, it's, it's the afterwards. They can give the students the, the technical yes. skills, but as Pauline says, you can learn editing in three weeks, you can learn to thread a bolex in you know, much less time than that. But uh, what, you, what you do with it afterwards is, is so dependent on the, the drive and the need to say something in a film. Plus, perhaps, the thing that you, we also struggle with when we talk about government in art in our country, they don't have a national film board to work with after they get out of school as they do in Canada. Maybe we need some such. Well, obviously, this film festival, or the Festival of the Arts at the University of Chicago, is a chance for people in this community, in the city and, and the suburbs, to see the work of the, the works of these young artists who are pretty much on their own. And they'll probably yeah. be very mm. contemptuous of them. Why do you and say I think that? that? This is a very important thing. Why to do you assume that? Ah, <laughs> they do not understand the, the drives, the necessities, or the problems. Who is they? Who is uh, they? I mean, people in general who are not caught up in this whole world of, of, the, of, of cinema done outside uh, the industry don't understand why young filmmakers work with the themes they do, why the sound is always so bad. Pauline, can I it's ask you one question? Aren't you really deep in underestimating a great portion of the audience I that come to see these films? <laughs> but you see, if I really didn't believe in the audience, I wouldn't go to the trouble of trying to address it, either in print or on the air. Uh, I mean, I have some feeling that perhaps one can reach somebody out there somewhere. But I do think this is something people have to be warned against. Uh, is, is the kind of jeering that is so often done at experimental films. Uh, Dwight MacDonald, for instance, did an attack on the New American Cinema in Esquire a few months ago, and even people who should have gotten angry about it said, isn't this marvelous? Look how funny he makes it sound. And, and you know, very often the movies are ludicrous and pretentious claims are made for, uh, for you know, not much in the way of movies. Uh, but the point is that 
but this is how an art develops. And people jeer the same way at new work in other art forms. Uh, they think because they grew up with the classics of literature, they understand something about literature when they go to a, or a painting, they go to a gallery like Khrushchev and says, this looks as if it were painted by a donkey's tail. Uh, uh, this is the same kind of jeering people do at experimental movies. And, and what they reveal is that their educations have not equipped them to, to have any kind of criteria for new work. They want work that looks like the old work. If they saw uh, a movie called an experimental movie that looked like Cecil B. DeMille, they'd probably think it was great. They wouldn't realize it was a complete regression, but it would look expensive, and they'd say, gee, you know, look, uh, this is a real movie. Uh, but the fact is that, that really important work in any art tends to look crude, messy. Uh, it has all the limitations of newness. The, the other thing that is very important for a festival of this kind is the opportunity that it gives an audience to see a good number of these works. It's as if, it's as in any other art form, you, you can't just go into a gallery, <coughs> excuse me, you can't go into, into a gallery with no background, no preparation, and open up to the first abstract impressionist that you see. It's the opportunity to see many many works that begin to give you yourself the standards by which you'll judge uh, the qualities of other art works. And here with this film festival, there will be the chance to expose yourself to a number of films in a number of styles and to begin to formulate your own standards, your own impressions. Well, this seems to me the what this round table has been about to some extent, to a large extent, the fact that uh, here is a chance, here's a chance as definitely told to us by the critics who have seemed to have definite taste, who, who, who are open to new ideas, new ways of expression by the young filmmakers, and, and we haven't had a chance really, if people in no part of the country have a chance to see uh, the films of variety. Some are better than others, of course, but the fact is all apparently are fresh, one way or another, made by filmmakers on their own. That's the important thing, I suppose, free from one way or another public relations handouts free from the audience, free from preconceived notions about them. It's unfortunate yeah. they're not free from uh, uh, the influences of their uh, education that, well, that and of their course. conceptions yeah. of what experiment is. And this is where countries where there is a capital and an intellectual excitement yes. in that capital uh, have, have an immense yeah. advantage over American filmmakers. Could we have one more go round by each of you? on any subject concerning the film and the festival, just to go around and then perhaps uh, be more specific about the films being shown and where specifically. You want to start it, Parker? On the festival? Anything, anything. Well, I, I, I'd like to name uh, what I think are the two chief difficulties of, uh, of showing the art film and uh, creating responses to it. And one is an old superstition, and the other is uh, uh, a new rage. That is, the new rage is the rage to be modern at any cost. That means that things all change too quickly. Maybe that accounts a little bit for the popularity of running and moving fast in these films. And the old superstition is perhaps the worst of all, that anything worthwhile must be big. And Actually, art, some very fine art, some very precious art has been small and has lasted much longer than a great deal of art in all the art forms. 
than what started out by being big. So if an audience, uh, e each member of an audience could content uh, himself with appreciating the thing for what it is, something perhaps short, perhaps basically unpretentious, unpretentious too, but what is good would be uh, uh, unpretentious. If you could take it for what it is and not ask it uh, to be big according to the old superstition and modern according to the new rage, I think that might be a big step. Harold Hayden. Well, I'm interested and impressed by the way the visual artists are moving into an art which ought to be theirs too. And note that Bruce Connor, who's opening an exhibit of his work in Lexington Hall as part of his role as festival artist in residence, will be showing two movies he's made. And um, marvelous. Just marvelous. Arthur Knight. Uh, I would like to make my closing reference to the feature films that are being shown at the festival this year. Uh, specifically this afternoon, there's the film Night Tide by Curtis Harrington, who represents a young man trained at a film school who then went on to make experimental films on his own and did so for uh, a number of years. A man who I think has a splendid camera eye. Uh, then finally went into the studios in a relatively minor capacity and then on his own again, not under the aegis of any studio, uh, produced the film Night Tide. Here's a picture, a feature story film, that reveals some of his attitudes that were implicit in the more personal, more experimental works that have not made the concession to uh, the big films that Parker was talking about a moment ago, which is having a very difficult time getting to the public. The picture has only recently been taken by a very minor distributor and will certainly not be pushed the way Come Fly With Me is being not to mention Lawrence of Arabia. If he ever gets his money back out of it, uh, he'll be terribly fortunate. The point is that there is this drive on the part of young people to make their mark in film today, just as people want to be composers or painters or authors. Film is a terribly complicated, terribly expensive medium, but if the drive is there, Jerry, Jerry Towns. Uh, I have to finally agree with this tale, perhaps uh, even <coughs> view the audience situation as worse than she does. Uh, even apart from experimental films, I think, as she uh, suggested, uh, uh, for example, when audiences go to uh, see La Dolce Vita and not see La Ventura, they go to see La Dolce Vita in many cases because they think it's a good Italian party. I think it's extremely important that uh, they see the film for the reasons they should see the film. And uh, I think possibly we can ascribe this to two causes. One, uh, which was mentioned before, the, 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 the uh, use of the eye when you watch a film. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, second, uh, unfortunately, uh, the attitude toward films in the United States. Uh, uh, who thinks of going to see a film twice? If you don't understand a novel, uh, you might just read it twice, or a poem, you might just read it twice. Who goes to see a film twice? Uh, who, who expects a film to be more than uh, what uh, they've been accustomed to from Hollywood? And then this, of course, is uh, in one sense accidental to the character qualities of the film, but this is the sort of attitude which is first necessary for people then to 
look at films, to watch them with their eyes, and, and not say, well, I didn't get anything from that, uh, I'll have some popcorn. Pauline Kale. Uh, my last word, I'd like to uh, revert to that question of, you know, do I believe in progress? Uh, I see in the uh, perspective issue here of letters to the editor, uh, a gentleman <laughs> writes that uh, people should shed a tear for her, that means me, who spews the pulp of sour grape to I stain an should, empty we bed. We should explain, this is, these are letters in reply to a piece you wrote on the film and a prior issue of perspective. But Go ahead, sir. You know, this is the new Victorianism. Do you remember in the Victorian <laughs> period, women were not supposed to think, they were supposed to leave the thinking to the men. In the Neo-Freudian period, if women do any writing or speaking in public, it is supposed to demonstrate that they are sexually deprived. They have an empty bed. If their bed were full, they would not bother to care about movies. Or go to the movies. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I really so don't we think we're anti-feminist in Chicago, much. though. I don't think we're anti-feminist in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I think this uh, panel discussion has been a lively one. I know it's, it's, it's deviated at times from the theme of the film festival, yet it's been related throughout. And, uh, before I thank the guests, I think we should point out that tickets are available, festival registration tickets for all 12 events, began last night, but there are 10 days to go, I think, involving Bruce Conner's uh, film, which will be seen next Thursday, May 2nd. It's called Movie, uh, two films in Cosmic Ray. Uh, the winner will be seen next week, May 1st. The winners, I should say, aside from the lectures of Mailer and James Baldwin and Bruno Bettelheim and the works of artists, uh, Harry Boris and uh, Lecture on the Dance by Eric Hawkins, as well as happenings and plays, Zoo Story, I see, and excerpts from James Agee's Let Us Now Plays, Famous Men. Great deal is happening. So anyway, festival registration, all 12 events, 1250 And single tickets, um, $2. All student tickets, half price. This is the Center for Continuing Education at 1307 East 60th Street. So Chicago right now is, a, I'd say, a very hot city, almost as hot as San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd say thank you very much to Parker Tyler and may we just mention, Parker, the two books, uh, the, the, what was that now? The, the, the Hollywood the, Hallucinations. Hollywood Hallucinations, published by, uh, who oh, publishes that? Ferris Drought. Ferris Drought, and the recent one, uh, Classics of Foreign oh. Films, mm -hmm. Citadel Press. Citadel Press. Harold Hayden, Teaching Art, and involved the Festival of the University of Chicago. Uh, Arthur Knight, aside from being critic, film critic for the Saturday Review, an excellent little book called The Lively Art. It's now paperback, published by... Uh, Mentor. Mentor. Jerry Temener of the University of Chicago, involved with the festival as well as the magazine of the University of and Pauline Kale involved in many activities, I assume, but uh, written for a great number of magazines. Any, uh, is there a book of yours, Pauline? Uh, no, nobody's uh, quite uh, got me to put it together yet. <laughs> Pauline Kale, no. film critic. Thank you very much, gentlemen and lady. <laughs>